listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. I hope you are sat down, strapped in, ready to go deep. Because this one with Santina is going like levels. <laughs> I'm, I would only, I'm not even going to attempt to uh, pronounce her surname <laughs> or try to. Uh, this is one to like strap yourself in, open mind, and uh, come on the ride. I believe it's Santina Giardina Shard. I think that's it. That sounds about right. That's what I would have said. <laughs> But um, yes, yeah, so Santina and I connected just relatively fortuitously over something else, um, shoulder related it was, it has, as it happens, but she just, uh, I'd seen her work before, actually did a shout out to the guys at WeMove, um, I think she did a podcast with those guys a while yes. back, uh, it was when I first became aware of her, but she's just got a, a spirit about her which is a bit different to what we often see um, in our day to day indulgence in the fitness arena and we just thought it was a great opportunity to get her to come on and just give a completely different perspective so it is deep this one there's some real kind of like stuff to think about and what i'll just encourage you before we we're gonna say too much because you need to get into it but just let it let it permeate let it kind of like mm. permeate and percolate there's two p's for you this morning jacko um mm. because you could quite quickly kind of go like if you if you kind of if you're not if you don't think about it, you could push it away relatively easily in some respects and just go oh yeah no it's not for me it is yeah. for you it's for all of us um and it, it i'd say tim i'd say if if someone is like push if the immediate thing you do when you hear some of these bits is push back and be like nah, 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 and you're pushing back like, to actually take that as a sign is like you probably need it the most yeah I think the harder you push back against this challenge yourself that's yeah. my advice because because we are like in fitness enthusiasts and we're into training for me it's like if do we do we recognise the importance of, of understanding ourselves better and doing work on ourselves mm. and a lot of time in like corporate and business and these sorts of things in relationships we, we that is necessary to know have a better perception of self well, if we're fitness enthusiasts and we train a lot, then we should also have that association with ourselves in that format as well. So, mm. yes, it's deep. There's some real stuff to chew on in this one, but it's, I think there's some real value in this. Um, and some interesting questions to ask yourself. And it, I was going to, one thing we didn't really quite get to talk about, but I was going to throw in there is like, you know, when, when you're feeling a certain way, the first part of that is being able to name that and go, I'm feeling anxious today. Why am I feeling anxious? It kind of starts with that. So if you need a little bit of an onboard into, into some of the stuff that Santina is talking about, it's just like recognizing feelings, understanding what they are, when then you can start to understand where they're potentially coming from and, and do the internal work. And it's not about the handstand, as she says quite early on. It's about bigger picture than that. Yeah. So with no further ado, adieu. Adieu, adieu. adieu, adieu. Here is Santina going deep with Tim and Jacko. Movement, Strength and Play podcast. Roll that jingle. So Santino, welcome to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast. I think this is going to be epic and we are super excited to have you. Really? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, kick us off, Santina. Can you like just give us a bit of background as to who you are, what your your story is, and 
um, yeah, just a little bit of behind the scenes. Who introduce yourself to the audience, and then we're going to dive in. I've got some cool stuff I want to talk to you about today. Okay, so my name is Santina Jadina Chard, and my movement story expresses itself in the medium medium of Ashtanga yoga. Um, I've been practicing Ashtanga yoga for probably close to 17 years now. Um, before that, I came to the practice from a pretty sordid past. I was a heroin addict and a prostitute and a criminal and all of that kind of stuff. So the practice cleaned me up, really. The, the discipline of the practice and the, the and I want to say rigidity of the practice really did provide the container for me to do the deep inner work and clean mm. myself up. Um, and now I, I teach. I teach this practice all around the world and it really did save my life. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that because one thing when we, we connected a while ago about something shoulder related, um, but it was it was very evident and that's why I was really keen to get you on to talk to us because the the conversation around, and we'll maybe touch on this a bit later on, but your understanding and use of, if I'm going to use that word, like of movement as a, a vehicle for something else was very much not about what how good you are at yoga, but so much more about what it does from a internal perspective and the work that you do on yourself through movement and getting and, and, and the strength and the play components and I think we all f lots of people feel that we know we we know that moving and certain types of exercise or training or whatever it might be make us feel a certain way but you've my, my intuition was that you've got a real deeper connection with that sense of internal work through a practice that I don't think a lot of people are that always consciously aware of and one of the things I thought would be great to talk to you about was to get that perspective because I think it's a really healthy thing that people go inwards and think a little bit more about why do I move and why do I move in a certain way and if mm. I'm not doing that work like what am I doing through movement and there's some so many different levels to that can you just go and wax lyrical around some of that for a bit so so the body the body's always telling you a story right so we use the body to fetch the memories, right, the aged regressed states, the, um, the inner experiences and the aspects of self that have been relegated into the subconscious, right? So we use the body to do that. And then the movement, the movement in itself allows the subconscious to deliver what lies in wait, right? Are you with me? Yep. And then the, and then the movement, moment to moment, yep. allows you to make sense of what's going on. So we, it's not it's not the movement in and of itself that provides the healing. It's listening to the sensations and what's going on inside of the body, moment to moment, that does the healing. So it's it's the connection with the inner self that really does right, the healing practice. And that really comes down to having a willingness and an intentionality within your movement practice, right, to bring those memories up, bring it up from the subconscious and then invite a dialogue with what's going on. 
right? And that anyone can do that because it's 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 not the handstand, like I've said to you. It's not the handstand. It's it's what what it's your capacity to actually wire in to something deeper inside of you. And I think that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for that very nuanced connection with something so numinous inside of us. And, you know, and it, it begs the question, do we practice or do we move to connect and wire in or do we practice and do we move to escape ourselves? It, it strikes me, Santia, that like one of the <clears throat> there's a big element there that you just everything or all aspects that you're describing there. We actually it's, it's quite a nice follow on from the last guest we had on Dario Albers who was talking about mindfulness and meditation practices within combat sports. That you're talking about being connected to yourself and immersed in the movement, but immersed in the moment of the thing. Like feel what is going on, like right there, right then. And I guess I'm I'm sort of thinking with it being part of a movement practice someone's able to engage in is one of the things that's beneficial that we, even when we're not thinking about it or trying to actively do it, by having that, by having that movement practice where we're being super mindful and super intentional about how does my body feel when I'm doing this, am I... Am I more present and am I more mindful through other like elements of my day or other things that I'm that I'm doing? Um, it's 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 almost like I for me this is how it is for me. So so in my Ashtanga practice, I use that yeah. practice as as a chalice, as a repository for me to do my inner work. So as I move through the movements, it's almost like I go into like a semi trance, right. a semi hypnotic state to listen deeply to what the subconscious is delivering, right? And I have my little journal there and I'm always writing down. Yeah. And what's coming up can be okay. memories, deep memories from the past, right, which the body will only deliver when the psyche's ready. The body yeah. won't deliver anything to you until the psyche feels ready to hear that. When the psyche's ready to hold it, the body go, right, you're ready here, cop it. This is, this is what happened. This is what you need to look at, right? You can't escape anymore. Yeah. It's time. Okay, so the body, when when I'm in that practice, I'm, I'm yeah. so I don't practice with anyone anymore. I used to practice a lot with a lot of people, but now I practice on my own because I want it to be this very internal process of, of listening moment to moment what, is happening and how that moment to moment brings up matters of the heart, brings up resentments, brings up things that happened when I walked over to my studio or things that happened 10 years ago or things that happened. Do you know what I mean? So it's, you're always in that process of listening deeply to the sensations that mm. are arising. Yeah. But you, and it, but it's deep. You, when you, you talk about the, you talk, we had, we've had a couple of people, I'm thinking of like the brain guy, Tim, talking about the subconscious mind, where you talk, you're talking about listening. Initially, when we said, when you, when someone's talking about like a movement practice and listening to the sensations and listening to the body, I'm, I'm immediately thinking like to surface level of like 
how the body feel like let's like oh that joint bell that feels a bit tight or that feel rather than yeah rather than like there's there's huge depths later and I imagine that this is something that um, takes some practice to actually and even the fact that anyone that's anyone that's sort of never really tried to do that it's even even just trying to listen to the body in terms of like oh my shoulder feels a bit tight when I go in that position even that's like a level deeper than they've they've gone before so then going like where's how how did it how, how did you actually how did you start that process ask, or what I, oh go I, on you asked something important. no no I want to dovetail your question Jacko because I think it's, it's the same thing I was like so how did, I think you're gonna say how did you start engaging in that deeper practice Jacko was was where you're gonna go and I was gonna ask Santi do you have to have mastery of a movement or a type of training to allow yourself to go that much deeper so you're no longer thinking about just the handstand or can you gauge that from an early thing. I think it's probably no, similar sort of so. angle like, from where Jack Okay, was. so for me, this is this is this is how I this is how it started for me. So I came to the practice, I was a heroin addict, I was still on the methadone, and I I stumbled into a Ashtanga yoga, which is another story, which I can tell you about at some other time. But I stumbled into Ashtanga yoga, and what the practice did was it churned up everything that was unfinished. Right? So it churned up all of my resentments all of my shame, all of my voiceless child. It stirred up the bulimia. It stirred up anorexia. It stirred up everything that I had been hiding away in heroin, right? So I actually became worse, right? I became worse. Yeah, I became worse. Like, like I, I got out of heroin and I was not anorexic and I was not a bulimic. As soon as I started practising... I went really hard into the practice to get off the junk. I had to because I couldn't feel my body. My body was numb, right? And so you can feel your body when you go to that extreme, but can yeah. you feel your body when you're not at that extreme? Most people can't. Most people can't feel their bodies, right? So I had to go to that extreme to feel my body, and it just ripped everything out. Everything that was unfinished came to the psyche, right? And then I started Gestalt therapy because I got worse and everything was falling apart, completely falling apart. I was getting in trouble with the cops again. Everything was falling apart. So I started Gestalt therapy and then I started to actually understand what aspects of myself that were in the blind spots of my psyche that needed to come to the surface for me to actually heal, for me to actually have a dialogue with and for me to actually connect with. So that's how it started for me, right? So that's a very extreme example. But I don't think everyone has to do that, okay? I don't think everyone has to go to that extreme because I have students that have not gone to the, the underbelly for that. I have students who I just start with simple practices of when they get on their mat, what is happening? Are you listening or are you just in this robotic state right are you just going through the motions or are you listening to the sensations that are arising are you in a deep repertoire with what is arising in consciousness and in your awareness moment to moment now that's just a practice that's just an intentionality to bring it to the practice are you yeah. with me or are you glazed <clears throat> over yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And can we, and a bit like Tim's question, can we bring that to any type of movement? Like, I could just be out walking the dog, or or does it need to be something more? 
Jack, is yours personal? Has your, has your mindset and thoughts changed? Just I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question yeah. rather than Santina, if that's all right on the podcast today, a bit of a change. Um, like you've obviously started doing more running recently. Has that changed for you? Because you've come from also a high intensity training background. What has running twenty K done for you? That oh, crikey, yeah, like run, yeah. My mind is in a completely session. different place when running. Because um, that's one thing I was thinking, Sandy. Can you access that in like? Uh, if people like you know lots of people there's a current trend in fitness about everyone wants to work harder and it being more it's about intensity whereas i it strikes me that i do the better work on myself when i'm less in that state and more in a creative playful exploration kind of mode i wonder whether that's do you feel that jacko yeah well if i so if, can I, my, that so the example and i did i guess i didn't it's one of the things i realized one of the things that i was enjoying about it of like running it's so simple compared to in terms of like the skill so simple compared to like trying to do a handstand or whatever and so rhythmical and when you're trying to i'm doing some like longer distance stuff so that you're not even trying to run fast you're just trying to be like really slow and economical and then it's almost like the brain is able to tune in or tune out of like tune out of all the noise and tune into what the body's doing and the other thing I found is the longer I run, different stuff within my body, like, different stuff comes out. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing with it, but I'm just, like, I'm enjoying that. Maybe I'm doing a bit of this. So, I suppose, so my question to you, Jacko, is when you're running and an awareness arises, what are you doing with that? Burying it, yeah, burying it back um, down. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, yeah, do you I probably, know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what do you do? Are you just running away from that awareness or are you clearly bringing it into contact and having a cognition where you are actually almost dialoguing with this part of yourself? So when I'm on the mat, things will come up, resentments will come up, people will come up, um, imaginations and imagineerings that I've had around people yeah. will come up. And then I take the time there to see where that aspect of mm. myself has not integrated and I'm not, I'm not finished with that. It's still part of my yeah. consciousness that needs to be complete. Okay. So in answer to your question, I can't do it running. I can do it walking because there's a, I can oh. slow it down, right, and, I can, you know, and, I, and I'm practised at it now. But I can't do it, say, for example, if I'm doing no, burpees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do burpees. But I, I can't I can't do burpees because I need to I need to yeah. feel. I, I need to Burpees to are too feel. miserable. So I need to have <laughs> Yeah. But I think Santino, I think that I've I've probably at a place where it's like I'm at, I'm at, I'm at that point where some something um like, yeah, thoughts, emotions, things can come up and then like I wouldn't say I'm necessarily running away, but I might engage with it, but I actually have no understanding, no guidance or realisation. Maybe this is partly the start of it. I've like, I've no, I've, I've nothing, I've no process to go like, oh, when something comes up, you, this is, this is how you might want to like use it or tackle it or engage in it. I'm just like, oh, that's weird. Why am I thinking about that? Or why? Blah, blah, blah. Like, and, and I probably at the moment, I've just sort of observe it and a bit like, that's a bit weird. Like, why am I thinking about that thing that happened 10 years ago? Like, 
and yeah, I've, I've not really gave it. I've not really gave it too much thought, other than it's interesting when I go out running that like these things that, that this stuff is sort of going on. So this is helpful. This is like yeah. a therapy session for me. <laughs> yeah. So it, well, so movement. So for for me, movement is therapy. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's like so I move. I make move. I move to make meaning. Yeah. Right. I make. I move to make meaning of my life. I move to sort out the matters of my heart. Right. And the subconscious is always delivering sometimes diabolical stuff, but mostly <laughs> awesome stuff. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, I did that. Shit, I forgot I did that. Here it is again. <laughs> Thanks for making me relive that again. That. <laughs> it was bad enough the first yeah, time. Totally. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus, here we are. Goodness. So, um, and so in, the, in that almost hypnotic state, I, I, there is a very, there's a healing process that I bring into contact all of what is unfinished inside of me. And I can make deeper meaning and deeper sense of my life. And so your life becomes more holistic rather than it just be, you know, your PB or how many pull-ups you can do. It's, it's um, you're in contact. You're in contact with your life and yourself yeah. and your body and everything that's happening inside. So you have this richer, richer relationship with your inner self. And so what is your yeah. inner self? That's your beliefs, your, your imaginations, your memories, your fantasies, your dreams, your repressed aspects of yourself, all of your resentments, everything that's invisible that's going on in your head and resonant in your heart comes to the surface. And so if you move in a way where you consciously make contact with your inner self, your movement practice becomes a healing modality rather than a, just another way to escape yourself or another way to change your state. People go to movement to change their state. But yeah. can you learn to change your state without having to move? And, I mean, that's the ultimate yeah. mastery, I really. I was wondering, yeah. But, can you do it? It's just still. You know, yeah. you know, can I? I'm in this state. I've arrived in this state. Can I master the movement of my consciousness from this state to another state without having to run 20Ks or do a pull-up yeah. or put my leg over my head or throw myself into a backbend. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say that you just touched on something when you were going like, um, and, it, and, it, and it actually goes way back to when you like stuff you were saying at the start, like why do we, why did we do the thing? And you, you said, you know, about, it doesn't matter how many, like it's not about how many pull-ups you can do or, or whatever. And, and if, if our training it stays at that surface level, it feels like we're just we're just missing out on some of the richness. And I think that the the element where it's like, oh, it's about my PB on my pull-ups, it's like there's a newsflash, like how many pull-ups you can do, it doesn't matter. Like on the grand scale of like life, it just doesn't matter. But it's, I think it's a way of like, I was talking to, to um, 
when the coach we did a workshop yesterday talking to Owen on the way back about like ego and it's like that's just about my ego wanting to like make me feel better I can do more pull-ups it's like it's just a pure ego thing there's no there's no depth to that um and we're, and we're missing out I guess or I'm missing out I need to figure out how to do this <laughs> well it doesn't have to be that hard Jacko it's you know, like, so that's one aspect. One aspect for me is, you know, having a contactful relationship with my inner self, right, all that is invisible inside of me. That's one aspect. And then the other aspect is how do I actually start to listen to the spirit that's moving me? Right? How do I actually move from spirit? which is a whole nother level of movement. And usually that's got nothing to do with handstands and pull-ups. That's, that's, and I feel like I'm going to start crying because when I, when I wire into that, something else actually moves on the, on the surface of my skin because the spirit is moving you on, on another level where there's a spontaneous creativity that comes alive inside of you that isn't that isn't from a repressed conscious mind of I've got to do a pull up like this and I've got to engage this lat and I've got to use this deltoid and I've got to <laughs> use this buttock and this hamstring's got to pull but it's a spontaneous movement of the spirit moving inside of you that unconsciously locks unlocks you have I lost you no no um, I'm, I'm, I've read some, a little bit of stuff around this, Santi, around sort of neuroscience and, um, yeah, like uh, academics in labs talking about the benefit of movement. There's a book called Spark by John Ratty, which I seem to find myself quoting all the time, but it's about how exercise can improve the, the brain, basically. Um, and it goes through a lot of different things that you've talked around, around sort of like, uh, not uh, like academic performance. So people that run in the morning do better at school and, um, they talk about addiction and ADHD and all these kind of different things about how these the movement practices and it comes at it from a very sort of like neurotransmitter. This is what's happening in the brain when you move kind of perspective. <clears throat> but I'm just going to link in and Jack. And we've done some stuff with um, an organisation called Z Health, which is around uh, sort of applied brain based training. They kind of brought to my the forefront of my mind that the that the brain has kind of three priorities. Like one of those is survival. And one of those is movement. And if we, we have a brain because we have to move. So it, this is kind of a really interesting, you know, you, you kind of like you bring the, the three circles together. I forget exactly what they call those diagrams, but you've got this kind of the neuroscience, the, the fundamental design of the, of the human body and, and what the brain's function is. But where people don't often go is into this space of there's a, such a deeper level of things that we can't measure in a laboratory about why movement is good for us. And I think there's a, I'm kind of interested on, just on your take, because if I listen to you talk, a lot of, I would look at the, if the fitness industry, health and well-being, however we kind of want to frame it up. Let's leave sp sports different, right? Because sports, sport to, to a point, it's got a purpose and there's medals and all that sort of jazz. Um, okay, are, I'm always going to answer my own question, but are people kind of like missing this opportunity by the sorts of training that they do, because we are hell-bent on strength, lifting, numbers, intensity, getting ripped, like all of this sort of stuff. Is is that kind of just like, is that masking and, and papering over the cracks 
there's, there's got to be there's a role for that, right? Because those things lead us down a route of like we, we the, the brain and the body will benefit from a certain level of intensity and, and strength development. But there's a whole, what, what you're saying is there's, there's this whole other stuff underneath it, which is, which most people are not connecting with and are not going to find down that continued level of, I need to get bigger, leaner, stronger. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, I, I agree with you. And I think I, I agree that there, that, that, that some of us are, are missing a, a whole, a whole container of juice and contentment and satisfaction that can come through movement. And I want to say this, not everyone, and it's not because anyone's better than anyone else, but not everyone's ready for that. Not everyone's psyche is ready to go to that level where they're willing to look at the parts of themselves that they've been running away from for 46 years. Right now, the only reason why I got there, Tim, was because I'm in suffering. If I didn't do that work, I would be dead or in jail. So, unless you're suffering, you're not going to do that work because you feel better just doing pull ups and running 20k. There's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, is that yeah. going to get you to that place where you're at the precipice of learning? and witnessing something that is so rich and so blissful and so scary, right, that can only come from the depth of that inner work. Yeah. Did, yeah. did that answer your question? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think my if, if people who listen to this and uh, who, who are struggling for context with this, where they are currently in a place where they've not really kind of like necessarily spoken to somebody or had exposure to this kind of stuff. I'm just thinking like, where do we start with it? What's the, what's, how do we find our way into connecting with movement and therefore ourselves at a deeper level? Because the world is a noisy place. Our lives are busy to, to try and get that, that space and freedom to think and connect is probably quite difficult for people. Have you got any, how do people begin? First, you have to want it. Mm. So you've got to have that conversation with yourself. Where am I in my life? Am I really ready to look at myself? Right? So first mm. there has to be a, you have to want it. You have to actually go, I'm ready to do this work. Then you need to set the intention to do that. And just by making that decision, things in the psyche already start to shift. There's an awareness and there's a subtle shift in the psyche that already starts to move. And then the next thing I would say is slow down. <laughs> you cannot feel anything in a high-octane, high-voltage, high-performance sport or environment because feelings take time would and they we must need to slow down would it be it must be for I'm, I'm wondering it must be harder to make or it's almost like those signals are just dumbed down if we're if we're in like sympathetic tone like there's just 
that just the brain just shuts them off because it's like during sympathetic tone so during stress it's like it's just not necessary it's just it's not going to be helpful to be engaged in that so when we're in fight or flight it's just like there's no need like it's shut down yeah we're trying not to die right now like i'm not being worried about like this deeper level stuff if i'm not worried about any you're not worried about anything that's coming to the surface and this is the thing it's like people think they're feeling right people think they're feeling but they're not feeling they're talking about feelings Mm. they're not feeling feeling because a feeling first doesn't have words there's no words to a feeling a feeling is a feeling right <laughs> and a feeling a feeling will inform that. you will inform you in the psyche of what it needs to tell you when it's ready to tell you you can't force that yeah but and, and as you say you you need to have slowed down. You need to have down-regulated. You need to be in a state of away from that. You need to be, we need to be in parasympathetic to be able. And yeah, it, it's really nice actually this podcast leading on from one we had the other week where there's elements that just, I mean, you know, big thing for me is that I'm, I'm doing and then we'll encourage everyone else is just like, don't dismiss something that we don't, just because you might not understand it. Or just because someone hasn't got a brain scan to show us that that's that's the thing. It's like science will catch up. That's what science is doing. It catches up and it shows us like, oh, that explains why that thing that people have done for thousands of years works. And it's like, well, don't wait until someone does that. It's like, oh, we can me- they can measure a monk's brain when he's meditating and go, oh, that's that that those bits lighting up, and his is much bigger than ours. Oh, yeah, we should all meditate. And you're like. But we, you, we actually really knew that before. Why do we need to wait until someone can show that? And so just that my encouragement is like, just engage with the idea of like, maybe this is a thing. Because if, if people only listen, to, if people only take that one last little bit that you said about you need to slow down, like that will, that will even if they don't go any further than that, that will still be helpful for people. Um, but it will be the starting point to get engaged in it, surely. It's like, okay, so you've got a movement practice, whatever it is, okay? Yeah. And tomorrow when I go into my movement practice, can I set the intention to slow down and to just be aware of what is arising? What is actually arising, okay? And if something arises, can I just take the time to maybe jot that down? Because you're going to forget Right, so let's just jot that down, and maybe at the end of the day, before I go to bed, just glance at it and go, okay, that's maybe something that I need to look at. Yeah. Okay, so that's one way. There's another. There's there's another thing. It's like, so we have all these muscles on the outer body, and we know how to move them. Okay, there's so many people tell us how to move these muscles, but what about all these muscles on the inside? that are so tense that you can't even feel how tense they are, right? Because your conscious mind is so repressed and it's repressed so many feelings and so many emotions and so many states of mind into your 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 inner body. So that's like the muscles around your spine, all of your viscera, all of the muscles in inside your, your larynx and your trachea, all these inside muscles that you have no conscious control over, they're so tight, right? 
Now, you can't even relax those. They're like being cramped for 20 years inside, right? And so you're doing all these pull-ups and everything, but inside, everything's still tight. Mm -hmm. So I just, and I don't know how much time we've got, but I've just started this, the last nine months, I started this little movement practice because I was going... So much inside of me was happening that I couldn't release. No matter how much Ashtanga yoga I did and how much meditation I did and how much walking the mountains I did, there's this tensity inside of me that I couldn't release. And it's repression. It's repression from the conscious mind that's been going on since I was a child, right? And we all have this because we've all been repressed since we were children. So what I do is in the morning to release these tense muscles, you can't release them through conscious thought or through direct thought, you have to release them unconsciously. And the only way to do that is through unconscious movement. So what I've done intuitively is I lay down a mat with blankets and I just lay on the ground and I wait. I wait for the impulse to move, right? So I let the conscious mind recognise the impulse, but I don't let the conscious mind direct the movement. The movement's coming from the spirit inside of me. So the spirit's moving me spontaneously and it knows where the tensity is. So it's not like I'm stretching or doing exercises or anything. I'm just rolling around on the floor, allowing whatever tensity inside of me to come out. And in that, so much comes out. So much. You would not believe how much comes out in just that 10 minutes of just laying there and allowing the enormity of my soul and my spirit to move me. It's like the most healing thing I've ever done. I feel free. Mm. And I wrapped myself in and out of postures for 18, 20, nearly 20, it's so long. Mm. And now that I've, I've learned this little practice, I'm going to go and find the neuro research on how that works. Maybe someone's done that research. I don't know. But intuitively, I know that there's something greater inside of me moving me. And if I listen to that, I will awaken to something that you can't buy, man. You can't buy. Hmm. You can't buy that. Yeah. Amazing. Santiago, I'm just going to, um, as we start to kind of come in towards the end of the podcast, I'm going to, I just, there's one thing I wanted to ask you, like uh, there's a story about your social media at the moment, which we, we, we necessarily, it's been taken over, but I've, I've followed your stuff for a while and you come across as a really playful person. Um, and I, I'm just interested because we often talk a lot on our podcast about movement and strength and, and, and we don't always get to talk as much about play. And I just wondered if you've got any kind of like, uh, it can be linked to what we've talked about today already or not, but your aspect, your 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 um, your, your approach to play, how does play affect your movement, who you are as a person? Do you think it's important? Um, you come across to me as quite a, being extremely deep, but also relatively carefree, and I really like that kind of balance in you. It's a it's an interesting kind of combination of sometimes you find people are super deep and they're like super intense, but you're like super deep but super playful, and I, I like that uh, combination. I've said some things there. But feel free to talk about anything that may well have resonated. 
Well, it's interesting because as a child, I always wanted to be a dancer, a ballerina and an actress. So my play is just dancing around all the time. I'm always in a a drama. There's always a melodrama going on in Santina's life. We call it the Santina show. (laughs) What's going on in Santina's life today? So I'm highly intense and I'm very deep, but I'm just, it's just like a comic, my life's like a comic tragedy. So I, um, so I dance, like, you know, sometimes if I'm in a state and I am most of the time, I go into my studio and I just put the music on and I just dance around, but I roll around on the ground a lot too. Like, like I said, like sometimes I go into the park and I just roll around. I just let myself be free. And people are looking at me like, who is this diabolical, crazy <laughs> witch right, right, rolling around on the ground over there? So play in that sense. And also, you know, my husband and I, we kick the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, th- we do you think around movement side of things, though, we have these like, uh, like we, Jack and I have talked about this before, but gyms have a certain social etiquette, don't they? What, what behavior is and isn't acceptable and then therefore that because people go to the gym to exercise that social etiquette determines the sort of movement that they do and like if we were kind of when we first started doing handstands we were the only ones in our gym doing calisthenics and we literally started because it was fun we were just having a good time we'd try like can you do a handstand on that can you like handstanding on beer kegs and try and do human flags off leg press machines and we were just like yeah it, it was a it was a thing for a while um but people looked at you funny and they're like, we tell this story all the time. A girl came over to us once and she was like, what are you guys doing? Because it looks like you're messing about. And we were like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what we're doing. But I, I just think modern fitness and health is just, it's constrained people's behavior in a way which is actually not that healthy. Does that make sense? You know, it's really funny because, you know, if you watch people move, if you really watch people move, you'll see how repressed they actually are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you put them on the dance floor and they can't move. Yeah. <laughs> they can't move. It's like, That's yeah, you're true. really good at pulling That's up, right? True. But show me how you dance. <laughs> show me how you dance. You can't dance. Now, you have to be suspicious of someone who can't dance. Now, I'm not talking about actually having any fancy moves. I'm just talking about letting go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just letting yeah. go and, and enjoying freedom of being in your body. But everyone's so clogged up here. Yeah. Right? Mm. And you can hear it in people's voices. People are they're all this repression here from not allowing themselves <clears throat> to be themselves. Now, I'm not dissing the fitness industry. It has its place. It's wonderful and it's very empowering for people, right? And it it helps people in many ways. But can we find a way to allow ourselves to be free inside? Well, because I I think there's a lot of, and we've all probably done this to a degree, haven't we? But then there's definitely a lot of this of like training being a way to change the bits of myself that I don't like. Rather than you're talking about the opposite of being like, are you happy with it? If you're happy with your body, you can move and you can do it. Rather than going like, oh, I don't like my, the way my shoulders look, so I'm going to do shoulder press so I can get stronger at that. Do you know what I mean? So then they can then look back because I don't like my skinny blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's a form of looking at your body very negatively 
and like that's not that's not healthy for us. And the way when you're talking, what's sort of making me think about it is like a lot of it, a lot of it we've got wrong, like massively backwards. Um, and you know, you talked about like are you running away from stuff or are you going towards it? Like how much actually, if people, if people, and this is the challenge of like stopping and doing that inner work of going like actually being afraid of what you find because what you might find is actually the thing is all of this stuff is about I don't actually really like myself and my training is an escapism away from that and in a way to try and change myself to a form of me that I potentially like but like yeah I I, <laughs> when you said you have to be people can't they, we, we can't but not only can we not let go like it, there's an element of um of society that just like it's not it's not it's not like it's not right it's seen as it's seen as weird like i i got asked by one of my neighbors before because i ended up walking down the street without any shoes on partly because i just couldn't be asked to put any shoes on but it didn't matter i wasn't even going to my car and it wasn't but it was like are you okay they thought i was flipping insane for wearing shoes and i'm like you know you know humans have been on earth for like however many long and like the amount of time we've worn shoes is actually makes shoes weird compared to not wearing shoes. But like, and, and then when you talk about like rolling around on the floor, you go, the context, well, if you go to a B, um, uh, like a martial arts gym, it'd be two blokes rolling around on the floor all the time. That's what they do. <laughs> what about if one bloke rolls around on the floor on his own? Mm, that's a bit weird. That's weird. But it's like, <laughs> but how is, not, how is it not the same thing? Like, it is the same thing. And then what about doing it outside? Outside is weird. And no, no. Outside is where nature is. You are part of nature. We are all natural beings. When you're rolling around on the floor, you're being in your natural environment. It's actually normal, but it's only not normal because everyone's got used to putting themselves up in... Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm with you. I'm with you in mind and thought. I'm not yet... Um, I'm not, I, can't, not I, can't, I can't dance for... So like I'm clearly there's something that I can't uh, I can't do, but I'm I'm there with you in concept. I'm trying to leave my former up. self to to come to yeah. <laughs> but I'm down. I'm down with it. Yeah, I'm two, down. Two things I want to say here is like a lot of people, and I know this in myself. So I want I'll own it. I was practicing. I was practicing to rid myself of unworthiness and to not make contact with the deep sense of shame and guilt of everything that I've done and that existential shame of being not enough, right? Mm. So I was practising my way out of that feeling, okay? And it was oozing itself out in other ways through bulimia and all these other things, okay? Yeah. So we need to look at that. We need to look at are we training to get away from this deep sense of not enoughness? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this deep sense of shame and not not allowed to be me. I have to be part of this, to be part of this tribe, to belong to something. That's number one. So that's a question that some people need to ask themselves. Please ask yourself that. And the second thing is, is that, so I get down the beach in the morning and it's like maybe half past four, quarter to five, and I'm the only one there. And I'm rolling around, jumping around, moving around like a crazy witch diabolical <laughs> banshee right and everyone's looking at me going here she is she's back you know and <laughs> they're looking she's back no one's joining in no one's no one coming she, to join she, 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 she's back well they look at me and they love me but it triggers something inside of them yeah right 
what it triggers inside of them is their own repression. Mm. Yeah. Because it's really, like, why it's like, can't fuck. I do that? <laughs> exactly. Fuck. Why can't I dance around on the beach like that? Or why can't I just in the supermarket hear a song and cut a groove with my husband? <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. Do you know what I? You know what I mean. Like my husband looks at me and is like, "There's a song. Let's just cut a groove in the supermarket." You know, like can't I just be free to move and express and be okay with that? Because if it's triggering you, isn't that a question as to what's going on in you rather than about me? Mm. And the the, the yeah, bold work exactly. in that is looking at somebody going, oh, "I wish I could dance." Of going, "Well, go and learn to dance then. Go and do the work." It's easy, actually. Or, easy. Or, or you don't even have to learn to dance. You just have to oh, be whatever. okay yeah. with looking like a dickhead. Because my husband's a <laughs> sister as well. Hey, don't talk about your husband like that. <laughs> no, 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 my husband says to me, Santina, you look like a dickhead. You look like a dickhead <laughs> down on the beach. So, <clears throat> so what I did was I created this dance like a dickhead thing for Instagram. <laughs> and I got, I got everyone to post their dance like a dickhead moves on Instagram because I wanted everyone to just like chill out and just enjoy their bodies rather than have to twist themselves inside out. There's got to be some some more parasympathetic activity when you're dancing like a dickhead. (laughs) For sure. I love that. I never thought I'd say that on, I never thought I'd say dickhead on on the podcast, but there you go. Said it twice. Sorry, I'm to clip. <laughs> no, don't worry. You do you. That's awesome. It's been so good. Like, what a conversation. I think, again, uh, different to anything we've, we've spoken about before, but some really important stuff in there for people to, to go away. And, and, and I think that, as you said, go and ask yourself the questions. Go and ask yourself those difficult questions and, and don't hide behind um, just the, 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 the curtain of like intensity and I'm working hard. Like, physically, there's, there's that whole other layer below that, which requires some attention and good things well hard things but good things are waiting there for you if you can do it i think we jack and i get so much one last thing one last thing the harder work is the inner work right the harder work is to look deeply at yourself in the mirror that is the harder work of life that is the spiritual path yeah. Yeah. Right, let's end it there. Thank you so much for your yeah. time, Santina. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing some wisdom for us. That was great. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> I'll see you dancing <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> <laughs>
at a very surface level, this is very superficial, really, in terms of the great the depths of what she's talking about. But sometimes understanding that you can't do your best thinking when you're absolutely redlining. Like, I can't think of creative yeah. ideas when I'm redlined. Where I can think about some of those things, if I'm in the garden playing around with some hand balancing or, or whatever it might, movement skills, where it might be, where it's slightly just a more introspective type practice. Um, yeah. And I think that for the one thing that made the takeaway was that a balanced training program has both of those things, a place where you can go on redline and you can go and find your intensity that you want for whatever performance or training outcome that you're looking for, but also it has a element which is a little bit slower a little bit more mindful and it's in those spaces where we can do some of the work that she's talking about yeah no brilliant um we said last week we'd ask about um reviews and things for this week but again this the the the, the in the in the very essence of this uh of of this podcast the right thing to do is to say just chill take some time just be still and think a little bit, and, and let, as Tim says, let this let this mull over. No need to go. No need to go and do anything. No need to go and review anything. No need to go and share anything. No need to go on social media. Just uh, just be. Why do we want reviews? See how that's it. Why do we want reviews? Huh? Why do we want reviews? You know, you know well, it's affirmation. <laughs> Good question. We'll answer that. Because, we'll answer that question next week. Because we're insecure and we like it when people tell us that we <laughs> we're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Let's not well, do that. We don't get to air our dirty we'll laundry, yeah. do we? Um, no, right. Exactly. Sit back. Well, no, not sit back. Just sit back and enjoy what Santino gave, shared with you. And we're going to yeah. see you next week. We're going to sign off. So until next time, keep exploring your physical potential with movement, strength, and play. Class dismissed.